Episode 59, Genomics, What is the Role of Acupuncture and Naturopath in Cancer? I'm your host, Dr. Justin schultz and today we hear Dr. Ralph Esposito Perspective. Join 2017 Podcast Awards-nominated host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, as he gets a rarely seen look into the specialties of all types of doctors and guests, plus marketing, travel tips, struggles, goals, and relationship advice. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Welcome back to week two of our acupuncture month. Today, we have Dr. Espo. He is going to give us information about men's health, like prostate cancer, like low testosterone. What other conditions men get treatment for? What can they do for it? Nutrition, botanical, acupuncture, and what is genomics to begin with? Not to mention at the end of the episode, he has some really great advice on uh, for, for students, for uh, keeping your love alive, and the one thing that you have to do every day. Non-negotiable for him. Be sure to listen to the end of the show for a new commercial. Thank you again for all the positive comments and for the uh, personal reviews that you have given. If you didn't know, all the books and different things that people reference in the show, you can find them on their show notes page. Click that link. It'll take you directly to Amazon to where you can pick them up. It's going to be a great month. Learn something new. Acupuncture, Eastern medicine, TCM. You know, they use some kind of strange words sometimes for, for most of us Western doctors, but there's research back in it and there's a long track record. So stay tuned, learn something new, implement what you can. And heck, maybe you just found yourself a new referral partner in your city, the acupuncturist. You doctors out there would prefer to help their patients heal in the most natural way possible. We got dialects like the Paleo Autoimmune Protocol, Pacific Carbohydrate Diet, and they're designed to help heal the body. Well, Primal Health and Nutrition's Paleo Perfection Grass-Fed Beef Collagen Protein was designed with these diets in mind. So regardless of the diet that you decide to recommend, products will comply. Comes in three flavors. Look, it's non-GMO, no sugar added, soy-free, allergen-free, gluten-free, dairy-free, plus the organic superfood blend. You can go to PrimalHN.com, use the code Primal doc as doc at checkout so you can receive an extra 10 percent off all the show notes can be found at the doctorsperspective.net slash five nine let's go hashtag behind the curtain back live in china today we have a men's health doctor of naturopath specializing in nutrition and urology does some acupuncture as well and genomics please welcome to the show dr ralph esposito thanks for having me man it's uh it's a pleasure to be here I'm excited. <laughs> oh, it's going to be fun. When you were recommended by a past guest, she was just like, Dr. Susie was like, you got to get this guy. I was like, okay, <laughs> let me go on look. Yeah, her and I, we speak quite often and uh, we're always very on the same page. She does a different type of medicine, but it's a very uh, good connection there. And, and I love all her work. Yeah. So how did you, I always ask this question naturopath yep. that's not the most common road to take to begin with and then men's public health uh, pelvic health how'd you pick all these things okay so you know p- being a naturopath is you're taking the road less traveled and when i first started getting into medicine um i kind of knew at like 17 years old that i wanted to get into nutrition and naturopathic medicine but i just thought that you went to medical school became a medical doctor and you like you learned all of this natural holistic integrative functional medicine stuff and then as i was so i did my yeah right like obviously that's what everybody does right (laughs) um so i my first um my first few months at my undergrad, I went to New York University, and my first few months there, there was always there's always like the pre med, right? And everybody's right. like, yeah, I want to be a medical doctor, yeah, I want to be a DO, yeah, I want to go this route. But most of them are MD and DO. And NYU, I would say maybe like three to four hundred people were in the pre med track, just in my class, just in my year, and everybody was like, uh, what? You want to be a naturopath? Like, what is that? Is that like holistic, like DO? And I'm like. No, not not like a DO, just a lot different, a lot of herbs and nutrition and holistic approaches. And nobody had any idea what it was. So number one, I already knew I was going against the grain. But um, it actually worked out really well. I, I genuinely, wholeheartedly, with my entire soul, love naturopathic medicine. I love the medicine that I do. I don't like this differentiating between like naturopath, naturopathic medicine, chiropractic medicine, um, medical uh, doctors or allopathic medicine, I just think it's, it's medicine. It's, it's, mm. it's one. And now we just have different styles and different approaches and different modalities. But I think people kind of just try to uh, 
make it separate, which it really shouldn't be. I, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, it should be all be a team. Exactly right. It's all integrative. And then yeah. I started getting into men's health and urology. I was in, uh, I was at NYU and just researching naturopaths in the area. And I was able to intern with a naturopath at NYU. He's also an acupuncturist and he was into men's health. Now, even prior to that, I was like, yeah, I want to really focus on hormones. And, and cause it was a dirt, that was during the time of, uh, of like a steroid era in baseball. Okay. In America, where uh, Sammy Sosa, Mark Aguirre, A-Rod, Roger Clemens, who allegedly did, oh, yeah. did not take steroids, right, all that area. And I was like, why can't these guys just do it naturally? Like, there's there's tons of different ways to improve your body composition, improve your testosterone without taking testosterone and HGH. Um, although, yeah. I must say, like, you can't really – there's no way to naturally mimic testosterone or HGH injections. Uh, and then I started getting into it with this naturopath and he's like, yeah, you want to go into urology. I'm like, no, I want to do endocrinology. He's like, yeah, but if you want to focus on the men's health stuff, that's mostly urology. He basically took me under his wing. Dr. Espinoza took me under his wing. We started doing research, uh, started, um, uh, following him with patients. We started conducting research, writing papers, writing book chapters. And it just, one thing led to another. And I just became infatuated with this field. Wow. And see, I don't think many people think of Oh, you're probably writing books and research and things like that with a naturopathic, Uh you know, they're like, woo woo. And here's some oils and like (laughs) take some vitamin C or something like that. Like there's a lot to it. Mm -hmm. It's just, there's a lot of people that sort of corrupt the name. Sure. I want to say. Yeah. I I don't know. I think that's a fair way to say it. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree. There's a lot of people in this field. So that's the thing with naturopathic medicine is you can become a naturopathic doctor which there are some Mm -hmm. like online programs you can do which are you become a doctor in a few months maybe even a year and you are a doctor of natural medicine and then you can become a naturopathic physician where you go to school for four years you get the clinical training you take board exams you uh, take a licensing exam Um, you have to take all of these things in order to be a recognized practitioner in you know, in the state. Now, there are some states that don't recognize the difference between a naturopathic physician and a regular naturopathic doctor or a doctor of naturopathic medicine. So there are some people who just kind of just get away with um, calling themselves the naturopath. And then people think that they're the same. And then once they go out and see one doctor who considers himself a, a naturopath, and then afterwards, you know, they're like, wow, this guy actually knew nothing. And it makes me look yeah. bad, right? It's like, you need to do the physical exam. You need to run the right lab, lab works. You need to do the whole... Kit and caboodle. Right. Well said. Be a doctor. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so it definitely does give people, you know, my field a little bit of a, of a stigma. But I do think mm-hmm. that... So I've fallen into the field of... Have you heard of functional medicine? I don't know if a lot of your listeners have listened to functional medicine. The next couple of episodes or the last couple of episodes, people have talked about that. Yeah. And that was one thing I was going to ask you about. Like, you're actually about to get certified in 2018. So tell us about... Yeah. That sounds like a big undertaking. Y- yeah. So uh, it's it's definitely a lot of work. So uh, it's the Institute for Functional Medicine. They have uh, six modules plus a, a club, something called an AFMCP which is basically, you know, they it's like a five-day course. And then you kind of do these other modules. And there's like one on hormones, on immune, on cardiovascular. So that took me, it takes most people about three to five years. I started that while I was in school. So I think I started that while I was in school. So it maybe took me about a, two years to, to, to do that. Yeah. So I, I went gung-ho. Um, and while I was in school, I also did my acupuncture degree with my doctorate. So I put everything together, but but uh, back to the question. So functional medicine is was invented or was um, designed by naturopathic physicians, and really what it is, it's, it's naturopathic medicine, uh, evidence based, uh, science based naturopathic medicine that is organized in a way that you can utilize specific tools and methods and maps in order to help patients better. It's an organized form of naturopathic medicine that has a lot of uh, science and evidence-based decisions behind it. So instead of taking a statin and an ACE inhibitor and, 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 I don't know, metformin, you're talking do 
X, Y, and Z nutritional supplements and herbs and this and that to get the same results. Step one is always diet and lifestyle, right? But so it's it's different from what I do and like other, um, you know, there are a lot of people who say they practice uh, integrative medicine, right? There's a lot of, Mm -hmm. and they'll say, oh, well, instead of taking cholesterol medicine, take a statin drug. Or instead of taking this diabetes drug, take cinnamon capsules. And Really what you're right. doing, you're just substituting a natural pill for uh, a pharmaceutical. But again, that still doesn't answer the question as to why this is happening. Why did this begin? So my goal is to try to identify the underlying cause, try to figure out why this started in the first place. Then you have to reverse engineer the pathology and then get back to the actual cause of the issue. And, and, and the field that I specialize in is mostly in hormones endocrine, urology, men's health. The women that I see are mostly for hormonal issues and, you know, endometriosis, PCOS. Yeah, diabetes, tons of that stuff. That's pretty wild because I would think most people, when they think hormones, I don't know if naturopath is even in their radar because you expect, well, I need some estrogen and progesterone creams. Right, right. You know, what am I supposed to be taking here? Right, exactly. So again, you're trying to, you're trying to just supplement, you're trying to fill in what is missing. And that's mm-hmm. fine. If you need to fill in what's missing, I'm okay with that. But why is it Even if it's for a little while. Right, right. But, but, but why is it missing? Mm-hmm. And now, you know, and depending on the state that you're in, you can prescribe it or you can't. And it really depends on what, you're, what the laws allow. Oh, okay. Where I practice, I'm not allowed to prescribe prescription medications. So I can't do that. So I have to do everything kind of like bare bones. Like I really need to dig deep and look at the molecular pathways, look at the biochemistry, look at the pathophysiology. Look at the anatomy and say, okay, what's really going on here? Where is the aberration and function occurring? Then how do I implement that or how do I uh, infiltrate that area and fix it? So it's, you know, and, and the thing is, is I would say, and now I'm, I may be a little bit um, biased, but naturopaths, especially those who really kind of, um, Dr. Carrie Jones, she's the medical director of Dutch Labs. A precision analytical and they do a lot of urinary hormone testing um i i follow her work all the time and i'm just like you know naturopaths really understand all these biochemical pathways like what happens to testosterone after it's testosterone what happens to it mm. after it's dht what happens to after it's estrogen and all the metabolites and what are the hormones or the enzymes that it's so it i i become obsessed with it justin it's just like <laughs> like i want to i just want to know everything and anything there is to know about it because I just want to know all the intricacies of it because then I can manipulate it and it will get better. Now, as far as flamingos, what are the top two or three conditions that you are seeing on a regular basis in men's health? In men's health, uh, number one, erectile dysfunction, I would say. Okay. Um, prostate cancer and low testosterone. Now, okay. in those, there are other issues that occur. So most of the men with low testosterone also have some type of uh, metabolic syndrome or like diabetes or um, high hyperlipidemia or insulin resistance. Men with right. prostate cancer, they're usually a little bit older. And, you know, I often say men with prostate cancer kind of see me too late. I would love to see them before they get the diagnosis. Um, yeah. But I kind of help them. And, you know, it, it, the great thing about prostate cancer is most men will die with prostate cancer, not from prostate cancer. My goal is to make sure they don't die from prostate cancer and prevent prostate cancer from actually changing their life. So those are the three things that I see. Low testosterone, erectile dysfunction, or sexual dysfunction, and prostate cancer. Top three for men's health. Yeah. When we're talking prostate cancer, I I thought that most people, they just remove it, and then they have to have chemo, and then usually they're good to go if they catch it early. (sighs) So where where do you fit in in this puzzle? It's such a hard question. Like, so, you know, for some cancers, it's just like, okay, you remove it and you're good, right? And you're, and you're done. Right. Um, prostate cancer is, is so controversial. Like, I, really? I, I don't specialize in, in a lot. And I do see a lot of uh, patients who have cancer, okay. but I don't, I can't say, you know, I've, I see uh, a ton of other cancers. I, I see a lot of pancreatic cancer at times. Um, breast cancer. So I see a lot of breast cancer and pancreatic uh, prostate cancer because they're also two hormone related conditions, right? Yeah. Um, Which is why you want to catch them early. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. 
so with prostate cancer, it can't, it's not that simple, man. It really isn't because first, number one, you have to look at their age. Okay. So if they're yeah. above 70, 75, if I take out their prostate, are they still going to die from the prostate cancer? But if they're 45, yeah, you might want to take out their prostate if they have prostate cancer because they got diagnosed so early or if they di- got diagnosed at 50. Um, and then, okay, so now do we remove it? Do we do cryotherapy so that we freeze it? Do we do um, androgen deprivation? Because androgen deprivation, basically you castrate men chemically. Uh, that's if there's a metastasis. It really depends on the stage. Wow. The Gleason score it has a metastasized family history, genetics. It's never, it's never like a simple one sentence answer. It's like, Good. and then, you know, right. It's never that, which makes my life, makes my life a little bit harder because, you know, people want an answer. All right, doc, I have prostate cancer. What do I do? Dr. Ralph, nobody want. I'm, I'm thinking for myself, I'm glad you didn't just have like a one. Just take this. Can't. Right. Because <laughs> then you're like, ah, boy, I thought you just talked about all these tests that you were going to run. But the way you're answering it right. makes me think, okay. This doctor is going to take the time. What's your history? What's your lab tests? Right. Let's attack this where we can because cancer is a scary word for most people and you don't want right. to have some simple answer like, oh, not, you don't have to do chemo. You don't have to do right. resurgery. Just come see me and I'll take care of it naturally. And it's like, well, there's a whole lot going on there's here. Every person's different. And then if you take it out, the odds of it recurring or coming back are not zero. Men just think, oh. <laughs> I had one patient. He told me, he goes, um, uh, I'm going to have my prostate removed. I have prostate cancer. I have a Gleason 7. I was like, okay, let's let's look at this, right? Because a Gleason 7, um, for your listeners, you, you score prostate cancer on a scale of usually like 5 to 10. And I don't know if some, some people are not even considering Gleason 6 prostate cancer, right? But let's say a Gleason 6 is a prostate cancer, right? You have to score on a 6 to a 10. Now, mm-hmm. It would probably be hard to say, like, if it's an eight, you probably should remove it, right? Right. But at a seven and a six, there's a lot of gray there. So I had a patient. He had a seven. And he said, yeah, I'm going to have my prostate removed. I said, okay, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But what you need to know is what's going to happen after you have your prostate removed? Well, number one, you're probably going to be in diapers for a little bit, right? Uh, Might be six six to 18 months before you actually finally get an erection, if you get an erection. Um, Oh, yeah, you might have incontinence, so you could have basically difficulty holding your urine for significant amounts of time. You could possibly have pain, right? And he goes, yeah, so but, a surgery. Right. He goes, but they're going to remove it, and then I'm good. I said, but, but that doesn't mean that it's completely gone, right? We don't know that. It, yeah. So he's like, well, it's gone, and I don't need to follow your protocol anymore. I said, no, you need to follow it even stronger because I want to make sure it doesn't come back because if it comes back – it's coming back with a vengeance and mm-hmm. you can't take that lightly. And you always have that in the back of your mind. It's like, I got to get my PSA. He's, he's like, well, well, my PSA is rising a little bit. I don't know. My prostate's removed. Like, where's this PSA coming from? Then they have to do radiation and they basically are like, okay, we're going to do radiation on the whole pelvic area. You don't, you don't know where the prostate cancer is. So, so what are you going to radiate? Oh, we just radiate everything. Oh, okay. That sounds great. Cool. So it, it's never, it's, it's never just, like, that's what I always tell people. It's never just, doc, just tell me just what I have to do. Uh, I can't tell you just what you have to do, but here's a list of things that you should be doing. And in six months, we can reevaluate and see if it's working. Exactly right. Exactly right. With my prostate cancer patients, I see them uh, hopefully before surgery, after surgery, three months, then six months, and then usually every year. Yeah. You have to be. Let's on- talk about this. Yeah. You got to be on top of it. Yeah. I'm going to switch gears back on you a little okay. bit. Okay. You got a doctor in acupuncture as well? A uh, master's. I have a master's in acupuncture. A master's. A master's okay. in acupuncture. So what do you do with that? Oh, I do acupuncture. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it's Chinese medicine. So I have training in uh, Chinese herbal medicine. Um, now, I must say there are people who, have, who do another degree in Chinese herbal medicine on its own. So that is very much involved. But, that could be so intense. Oh, yeah. Chinese herbs, like – Um, the bad boy of of Chinese medicine, like just hardcore stuff really works tremendously well. My wife and I were visiting one place and the guy was like, Hey, I'll, I'll evaluate you if you like. And I was like, okay, why not? I'm here. I've got, you know, my, my, my gut biome is probably not great. And, uh, I walked out of there with a list of 23 things to make tea with. 
and the wife was very close to the same amount. And I was like, all it did was feel my pulse, look yeah. at my mouth, and ask some questions. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's exactly what I do. I check the pulse. I check your tongue. Because look, if you look at the tongue, um, your background is chiropractic, right? Correct. So tell me another muscle in the entire body that's suspended in fluid 24-7 that you can see. <laughs> your eyeballs, maybe? <laughs> yeah, but you can't even see those muscles, right? It's, it's only your tongue. Right. Your tongue yeah. is a look into the, inside your whole body. And Chinese medicine, which has been around for two, 3,000 years, um, has... Probably already had. Yeah, they, they have, they've realized, like, hey, you know, this part of the tongue means this, and that part of the tongue means that. And then you look at the pulse, and then the pulse can give you an idea of different parts of the body that might be dysfunctioning. And then you put a story together, and you kind of fit the body or the pattern to the pathology. So, um, so with that, I do acupuncture. And so I treat a lot of things like pelvic pain. Uh, this is where uh, Dr. Susie G and I kind of correlate, where you know, she does a lot of physical therapy. And I do physical therapy as well, like pelvic massage and prostate massage. But I also do acupuncture for pelvic pain. Do acupuncture for um, basically any type of pain, but also like um, uh, erectile dysfunction, um, helping men with incontinence, even women with incontinence. Acupuncture really is um, is m- multimodal in terms of how it can help. Pretty wild. I love it. It's amazing what they can do with that stuff. Yeah, and I have people ask me like, "So what's on the needles?" And I'm like, "What do you mean, what's on the needles? Like, what type of medicine?" Is a sharp on tip. What, what? <laughs> yeah, it's a needle. It's metal. But what medicine is on there? I'm like, uh, nothing. So why do I get better? I'm like, all right. So we don't have. <laughs> there was a chicken <laughs> and an egg, yeah. right? So yeah, it's definitely a big story, a, a long story to get into. But it's, this stuff is amazing. It really is. You know, that just made me think of some, you know, moxie, moxie. I might call it something different. Where they, they, yeah, moxie position where they, but they burn yeah. the herbs on yeah. top. I look at that and I say, okay, I'm not sure that the burning of the herb is doing much unless you're inhaling it and that's supposed to help, but it definitely is creating heat. Yeah. Heat's going into the needle. Yeah. The needle is now, wherever that's at, is getting stimulated with heat. Right. But how all, that is interesting. They don't have like a mixture of herbs melted down or boiled, dip the needle and then stab. They don't do that. Nope. And when you said that, it's like, that seems like that would be a nice uh, thing that they could have tried. Or maybe they did try. They're like, yeah, that didn't do anything except cause infections, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. Or that. Um, yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the moxa. So moxa smells, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah, it smells like a cigar. And yeah. um, it's, it's very astringent. The whole first floor smells like it when we use it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. When you walk into an office, you're like, yeah, they're doing moxa. Um, but mm. one of my uh, instructors in school, this guy was a, this guy's a genius. His name is Dr. Steven Jackowitz. He's uh, graduated Harvard. Uh, and then he went on and has like several doctorates in um, one in China, one in the US. This guy's like the wizard, right? And I wow. told him, I said, why does moxa work? Like, he's like, yeah, do these points and then add moxa to it. And I'm like, why moxa? It's like, because it's warming. And I'm like, okay, so, but really, like, tell me exactly what's going on. He goes, well, uh, we suspect, theoretically, that actually when you burn moxa on the needle, um, when you burn something, it changes its energy. Now, I'm not talking about, like, I feel your energy, like chemistry, like, you know, like, you know. There's, like, there's, literally, physic- it, physically, it actually changes it, in a microscope. It, yeah, it physically changes the, the, the frequency of the the moxa can change the frequency the frequency at which the needle is stimulated right so that mm. energy from the from the moxa because when you heat like for example if you try to burn uh some things will burn at a higher temperature or a lower temperature than others right right so um what he said was is when you light this moxa on fire on the needle it changes the frequency of the needle to that which is equal to the the wavelength and the frequency of the human cell. So oh, interesting. if the cell is hyper-functioning and you, you light this moxa, it can bring it down. And then if the cell is hypo-functioning, which is oftentimes the case, you light the moxa and the needle can help bring up and uh, excite the energy in that area to bring it to that proper wavelength to allow proper energy flow. Interesting. Every time I see them use it here, it's generally they got fluid on the knee, for some reason. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes if they've had a stroke, 
they got a bunch of spots on their face, yep. and I guess they're trying like they'll. I guess that's when they'll burn it. Yep. But generally, I see it when they have like arthritis, like arthritis, and yep. a little bit of fluid on the knee yep. based on the MRI. That's when I see them use it. That's yeah, yeah, and it it okay. works. Um, I don't use it very. So there's different types of moxa. The type of moxa mm-hmm. that I use is called uh, uh, rice moxa which is literally the size. So when you do moxa, you put it on the needle and it's the size of mm-hmm. maybe like a dice, right? Like a, like a, yeah, dice, it is right? the one that I use. Um, I actually, it's, it's called a uh, golden moxa. It's, it's much more pure. It's a hundred percent, uh, moxa. So moxa, there's different grades. I use a, a more, a pure grade and I roll it up to the size of a rice, uh, a grain of rice. That's why oh, I okay. call it rice moxa. And then I place it on the skin with a little bit of, uh, usually we use like tiger balm or some type of uh, protectant. We lay it on the skin mm-hmm. and then I light that moxa with an incense, like incense, right? And then it, it burns at such a low level and so subtle, but it actually can create a stimulation. So you're getting a direct impact of that heat on the acupuncture point, but um, you don't have to use a needle and it doesn't smell. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I've I, seen. Also, they they've done it with um, a piece of ginger. Yep, you can and do then ginger. the moxa burned on top of the ginger. Yep, you could do ginger. You could do salt. Oh, you can even do salt. Yeah, you could put it on top of salt. There's a ton of different methods. Yeah, okay, tons of different methods. You know, that's the truth. Every that's what I, I you know I, I wrote something about this one time, and it's it's you know you can get your windows changed in your house, and you can get a really really crappy job, or you could have the expert come in. And where do you live? Mm-hmm. What kind of humidity? Is it facing the sun? Let's right. use these materials. Right. One costs you a grain and one costs you 10 grain a window. Right. There's some complicated factors in there. And yeah. acupuncture is, just runs the gamut. Oh, yeah. Uh, medicine in general, right? Yeah. It's just there's so many different options, which um, I often tell my patients, they're like, well, what are you going to do? I said, look, my toolbox is immense. <laughs> so that's a good thing. It's a yeah. good thing because... I very rarely run out of something to do. A bad thing is because I have a lot of things to choose from. That that is can be crippling. <laughs> so I have to like I have to be very precise in what I do. There's a lot of lab work that I do. Um, I do a lot of genomics, so try to see what the genetic background might be. There's a bunch of different things that I have to look at. It's never again. It's never just one thing. Take a minute or two. I I don't even know what really genomics is. Okay. So. If I don't know, there's probably a lot of people that have no idea what that yeah. is. Just kind of give us the brief. What is that? So when I say genomics, people think, oh, genetics, right? So you're mm-hmm. a geneticist. No, I'm not a geneticist. And uh, there are people who go to medical school to specialize in genetics, and they get their fellowship and, and residency in, in genetics. And those are people that you're a genetic uh, counselor, right? So pregnant women, they go to see a genetic counselor. Those people, their work is exceptional. They really know it like the back of their hand. What I'm studying is genomics. Genomics is different. Genomics is, so like for example, if somebody has a genetic mutation, let's say like Down syndrome or sickle cell, that's genetics. That's one thing, one mutation, one type of change in your DNA that causes this very profound or uh, obvious genetic uh, uh, presentation, right? So sickle cell, right. where your cells are not circular, where or uh, Down syndrome, where changes yeah. uh, uh, appearance and brain function, right? What I'm talking about is something called genomics, where basically this is how uh, different genetics, different genes, we call them SNPs, S-N-P, which stands for single nucleotide polymorphisms. Those are the things that are different in many people that don't completely change the function of the gene, but change it to a point where it may function less or better or or completely differently than is it as it would in other ways and this also takes into consideration epigenetics so epigenetics mm-hmm. is how the environment impacts your genes now genomics also is part of this field where we try to look at what is the communication between multiple different genes and the proteins that those genes make why is it that some people you know, they, um, like, for example, myself, I'll, I'll never have a six pack. Like, it's just, it's, I, I've come to the conclusion that I'll, I'll, that'll never happen. Mostly, right. mostly because, you know, I have a genetic predisposition to being overweight and then all lifestyle factors. So maybe there's something in my genetics that, although I uh-huh. never have like diabetes or anything like that, there is some type of way that I utilize sugar differently. So that's what I try to get down to at a more precise approach. 
Now, I will say that this form of this this area of science is just now becoming um, apparent and how we can use this medicinally. But we are far away from being able to say you have this gene, this is that disease that you'll have. And anybody who tells you you have an MTHFR or a COMT or you know any type of other gene mutation and says that you have this disease, um, I, I would I would be cautious in, in, in listening to them further. Okay. I'll be sure to tell my wife that that is the reason why I always have belly fat. It's because <laughs> I have an epigenome issue and there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> Well, that, that's uh, that's good enough for me. That's right. I'm just a little squishy, baby. Just leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> she don't care. <laughs> oh man. All right, we're gonna completely switch gears because we want to make sure we respect your time. And I've got to ask these questions because you're a naturopath. You are cl- private practice. Yes. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm in private practice. So you're gonna have, and I also mm-hmm. do. Uh, I also do. Um, uh, I also do research, and then I also okay. am. A professor, uh, adjunct professor. So I teach as well. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, let's let's we're gonna hammer in on. I normally ask about if if somebody's struggling in, as a as a naturopathic physician, if maybe they're new in school. Uh-huh. Do you have any tips as for them? And then I like to bridge that into the my favorite one of my favorite questions is what kind of marketing are you doing so that people actually know who you are? Okay. And get patients. Sure. So to answer the first question is what should what should doctor naturopathic doctors do now while they're in school? Number 1 is network with as many people as possible. Go to every event that you can. Connect with people, try to learn from them. Be a sponge. Do not think you know everything, but be confident, which is different. Be humble. Mm-hmm. Most of this field is is uh, kind of who you know cuz a lot of people are smart. But you really mm-hmm. want to get with the people who are smart but kind of have personable skills. And you build personable skills just by meeting other people. So go to these right. events. Go to these conferences. You know, instead of, you know, a conference, wow, uh, Dr. Espo, that, that cost me two, three, four hundred dollars a hundred bucks. Okay, so put it in your budget. Make it a, a point to do that. See if your school will pay for you to go to a conference because it's an educational type of thing. Do those Stop things. Stop drinking alcohol for a month. Or that. Exactly. 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 You know, don't buy an extra pair of sneakers this month or or that month, right? So um, go to these conferences and network with people. One thing that I would say has, um, you know, one thing that I've noticed that I've done and I think nobody else has done in my my cohort is I email everybody. Mm. I've emailed, like I I read a great letter on, uh, an article on CNN. I email that author. And I say, hey, I really like your paper. I'm a like I emailed. I think I was like I wasn't even in med school yet, and I emailed this this doctor who wrote a paper on in, on CNN about um, integrative medicine. And I said, hey, yo, I, you know, I'm not really sure if I should go into naturopathic. Should I go into medical doctor? Should I be a dietitian? And she's like, do you want to do naturopathic medicine? If so, do what you love. And you know, they answer. People answer. People want to help. And I even encourage your listeners, like if you have a question and you want to ask me, I, I respond to emails. I respond to messages on, on Instagram and Facebook. So email as many people as you can, um, which then falls into the second part is marketing. What do you do for marketing? Nobody wants to be sold, right? You don't want to be a salesman. When you go to the dealer, I don't go to the guy who says, hey, I'm going to sell you this car. I go to the guy who says, this is why you need to buy this car, right? So don't tell people that they need to buy something. Uh, don't sell them something. Make them want to buy something. And the only thing that you have to sell is yourself. So be genuine. Give out good information. Give out quality information. Don't try to make every post that you do on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter an attempt to sell something. That's not... Uh, that's not what really is going to get you people is uh, right. you want to be genuine and people appreciate genuine. They also appreciate quality. So, you know, a lot of people think, oh man, I don't want to, I don't want to give these people free information. Like if you look at my blog, I tell you tons of ways to improve your health and like, well, why are you doing that? You're giving that away for free because the type of medicine that I do is personalized. So I'm going to give them a general view but they, if they really want like precision, analytical approaches, 
then yeah. they're gonna they're gonna come see you. They're gonna want more help from you because they look at you as an expert. So that that would be my marketing uh, advice. Well, and that's important because how many times do we look at just something simple as omegas? Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, there's so many styles. There's so much of this. There's super concentrated. There's uh, how much should I take? Blah blah right. blah. Right. Well, if you have a doc like yourself, it's like look. You can go on WebMD right. or you can check out my website. Here's a couple of maybe brands I recommend. Here's a couple of right. doses I recommend. Right. If you like what I'm doing, you're going to trust me with a, something as simple as omegas right. with, a, with a higher calling of bigger health issues. Exactly so, right. Exactly right. You can always turn it all into a book one day too, a study course. <laughs> you like, I've got all this information for years. I can just right. repackage it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually had a few people, somebody, one of my patients told me on, on this week and they're like, you should, you should write a book. And I was like, oh, God, okay. I've got so much other things to do. There's a lot. I'm actually um, editing and co-authoring a few other chapters now in a textbook. And I'm like, that takes time and effort. And it yeah. it definitely is a lot of work. So I'll do it when I'm ready. You seem meticulous, too. Oh, yes. I, <laughs> yes, I am You're very... going to throw together some cat's claw and some uh, burbadine. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Dr. Justin, I am I'm obsessive. I like if I I it's kind of bad. It's like okay, so I want to I want to know why this molecule caused that. I'm gonna go deep into it, and I won't. I mean, sometimes I lose sleep over it. Um, I don't say I lose sleep, but I don't go to bed at a reasonable time because of it. So it's called passion. Passion, obsession. It's in the same category. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. What do you see yourself doing in five or ten years? Oh my God! Wow. Jeez, uh, you know, life changes all the time. A lot of people become a, a naturopath or become a doctor and say, I just want to practice for my whole life. That's mm-hmm. amazing. I, I do want to practice my whole life because I do like seeing people change and, and I don't think I'll ever retire ever. Mm-hmm. But I want to do something more. I want to progress and advance medicine to a point where when I'm gone, things are still moving along. And I think the way to do that is to bridge the gap between integrative and um, and holistic or bridge the gap between conventional and, and holistic or integrative medicine. So um, mm. I would love to work in major medical institutions. That's one of my goals is to work in a big hospital or work in a big group that has an influence on improving people's lives, on making people feel better, on uh, making people f- uh, live longer. And, and so, you know, I'm not about people just, uh, you know, yeah, I want to live until 100. No, I want to live. If I live till 95, I'd rather live till 95 exceptional than live to 100 suffering. So yeah, um, in five to 10 years, I would love to be a part of a major institution that's actually making these changes. I also believe that it takes a village, right? So you know how to say it takes a village to care for a child. I think it takes a village to uh, not only help a patient, but help our health culture. Uh, so that's what I would like to do. And I think I could have the most influence in a major medical institution. Um, I'm doing a little bit of that at NYU. And hopefully that continues to progress. And, and any other opportunities that do come along, you know, I, I have I have the obsession to make this uh, the right thing for the future. So um, that's that's where I hope it goes. Have you ever thought about, I don't, I don't think I've asked any of these, this type of question before, but if you have this much training, yeah. have you ever thought about just becoming like a general practitioner, like quote, real medical doctor, and then now you've got medicine on your plate, you've got all of this stuff together, and then you could actually have your own clinic and people, that barrier to see you would be completely gone and you just blow up the uh, the, the integrative health circle because you've just do mastered it. both. So so be a jack of all trades, do it all myself, right? Yeah, because uh, then you have nothing to stop you. You know, I have had a lot of people tell me, like, you should just go back to medical school and become a medical doctor. That way you have all of the training um, that's another seven to eight years. <laughs> yeah, it's a big commitment. It's a big commitment. It's a lot of money. Uh, yeah. but not only that, I just don't know if I would enjoy it. I don't know if I would enjoy, you know, doing surgery all the time or being with somebody for 15 minutes and saying, all right, I got to fix you in 15 minutes, you know, coming from a, an area where I treat people and my visits are 45 to 90 minutes that's um that's a hard hard thing to do but also there are people in this field who are medical doctors that can do it better than i can right mm. so but but i always tell people and, uh, and this is maybe a little bit um egotistical but i i'm confident you can't out nd me like you can't outdo uh, like if, if i'm obsessive over a particular area 
sure, we can have conversations, but I'm going to do my best to be hyper-focused in that area. Um, and But there are other people who are exceptional, like exceptional clinicians, exceptional diagnosticians, exceptional research analysts. Like, that's what you do best. I want you to do that best. But together, if you have the best of both of us, and we can, because there's only so much you can know, um, that that's... And you're focused, too. Yeah, very focused. You're not trying, you're not talking about treating everything. So, I mean, I'm sure you look at a lot more things than we talked about today, but you're focused on these. So if you spend 80% of your time researching this, you're going to know more than the average MD naturopath in this area because you you care so much. Right. I have people come to me all the time, you know, naturopaths, medical doctors, like, hey, I got this guy. He doesn't want surgery. What should we do? I'm like, okay, well, here's 10 questions. Answer these questions and then we could decide. So, um, very very meticulous about what i do and very precise too like i just want to know everything before i make a decision sometimes i don't have everything i'm like okay well this is what we have to do with what we have um yeah but but yeah you know i have had that question before and it's um it's definitely crossed my mind uh but i you know what you may find that the the medical protocols don't allow you like your medical oath may contradict your naturopathic oath and all of a sudden you're like <laughs> Uh, I want to recommend this, but like I le- legally, I can't do it anymore, right? Because right. of right superseding. Yeah, it's possible. I don't know. I have seen some medical doctors kind of like step away from the integrative approach because they were getting a little bit of um, oppression from their colleagues and such. So, yeah, is... if you don't recommend this, you could get sued if they have a bad outcome. You're like, well, you're a medical doctor; you're supposed to pr- do this or prescribe right. this, and right. you're like, yeah, well, I didn't. Right. Well, now you're yeah. in trouble. Well, you know, in 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 Seattle, Washington, uh, in Vermont, in Arizona, naturopaths have a an, an organ. Naturopaths have a very broad scope where they're basically prescribing, doing minor surgery, doing IVs. Like, come on, yeah, they're doing the whole shebang. Wow. And um, you know, I'm here on the East Coast in Connecticut and New York, where we're very limited in what we can do. So it really depends on where you are. So if I really wanted to do that. You know, I could just go to Vermont. You can move. Yeah. But I, oh, that's not that far up. No, Vermont, New Hampshire. Uh, I lived in Seattle for a year. I I love, but I love New York. Like, yeah, it's like I, I don't know. I just it just it's in my blood. You know, it's just like I want to be here, and it just makes me happy. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Do what makes that's, you happy. Exactly. Bottom line. Do what makes you happy. All right, we're gonna switch super yeah. gears to the more personal side of the interview. All right, go for vacation. It. We all love it. We all tend to think we don't take enough of it. Is there a way to take more? Yeah. Is there a way to take more vacation? I think vacation is a type of self-care, right? It's a way to step away and, and take care of yourself. I think people take vacation because like, oh, man, I'm stressed out for my whole you know, year. I need to get away. And I say, well, if you take care of yourself on a daily, weekly basis, then you may not need to take so many vacations. So what does that include? Sleep well. Eat well, do stress reduction, go meditate, go exercise. Those are things that help you live longer and live happier. Um, but you know, you do need vacation, and that and that is uh, a healthy thing to do. But instead of taking you know one long ten week ten day vacation, maybe like multiple three to four day vacation might be a little bit uh, better, and might be even a little bit cheaper yeah. too. But yeah, we need to we need to take care of ourselves. So I, I definitely agree with that. Are you able to schedule yourself off? Do you have trouble taking time away because uh, financial reasons and there's all these patients to see and all you know, that? I I can if I want to take time off, but um, I actually enjoy Perfect. what I do. You know, like it's it's an enjoyable thing for me. So taking time off to go on vacation, I it's hard for me because I'd be like, wow, I still want to read. I still want to, like, I'll get a thought. Like, if I'm on a ship and I get a thought, I'm like, oh, man, I really, really wonder what what the research says on this. And, like, I'm just going to drive myself nuts trying to figure yeah. it out. So I um, I definitely uh, do take vacations, but I, I enjoy what I do. So uh, it's really not, like, a necessity for me. But I do, I do take vacations. I'm actually going to be going to Italy this summer Sweet. as well. So I have family there and I go there. Usually every other year, every year. Very good. Okay. Any hobbies, volunteering, um, anything that you do besides this that makes you happy? Yeah, I love cooking. Okay. I love cooking and I love fitness. So I love uh, exercising. Um, it's been really cold here in New York, uh, 9, 10 Oof. degrees Fahrenheit. So I have <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw your face. Uh 
not fun but i uh like i went running the other day in the weather and like i enjoy that and people are like you're nuts you're running outside in this weather i'm like no i actually that feels good like when you come inside and you breathe i'm like wow i feel awesome it's because your lungs are about um, to freeze so to death I, that's why <laughs> or that or that uh slow slow painless yeah. death uh, but I love to cook. And that, in fact, while I was in NYU in my undergrad, I had to take cooking courses as part of my mm. curriculum. So I have a, a bachelor's in nutrition from NYU. And uh, we had to take cooking courses. And those are the f- most favorite courses of mine. Like I even talked to my roommates about it. I'm like, oh, my God, you remember we did this? And we made fish oil cookies. And it was just, it was just awesome. So I love cooking. And um, one day I would like to go back to culinary school. Not like the Culinary Institute of America, but like a, like a, a low-key low yeah. – Maybe like a, I don't know, maybe a two, three-month program where it's just like, we're going to teach you how to cook. I know how to cook. I love to cook. But I want to be, like, I want to make things look pretty and yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. There's certain, like, sauces that would I be like, that's all it is? My goodness, it seems so scary. Yeah. Like, right. There's three right. ingredients. Right. Right. My goodness. Yeah. It's amazing. So I love that's cooking. Awesome. Um, yeah. As far as home work-life balance, it sounds like you've kind of already got that. Um, any secrets or tips to help? people who are really struggling with they just they're on work all the time or they just their families are struggling yeah so i would tell people is to put me first a lot of people put their spouse mm-hmm. first and this may sound cruel but they put their kids mm-hmm. first and i often and i see this a lot with mothers or single oh, yeah. mothers or even single dads they put their kids first or they put their spouse first uh they put their parents first right and I'm just like, no, you need to put you first because they rely on you. And without you, they crumble. Mm-hmm. So if we're all self-sufficient, it makes it easier for everybody. Um, now I understand kids are different. They do rely on you. And obviously, you have the responsibility as a parent to help them. But I think um, I think putting yourself first can allow that whole stress aspect of life to be a little bit better. So uh, go to the gym, right? Go to the gym or uh, – or spend the time to prep a meal rather than just stopping at KFC on the way home or McDonald's on the mm-hmm. way home. Those are the things that can make a big difference in your day to day life. I've heard like if your mom's if your mom, but if, if the mom's kind of really stressed out, maybe it's time to get to get a babysitter for like the evening, and you go out with your friends right. or you go do whatever it is that right. you do by yourself. Right. Get a hotel right. by yourself. I don't know. Get a hotel that night with your husband yeah. or whatever, and yeah. just get a break from the kids and recharge. Right. It's just one night. Right. Exactly right. And I and yeah, and I think people don't do enough of that. Um, but even so, like, you know, grandparents love their kids, uh, love their <laughs> grandkids. So you're, you know, you're, they're doing them, a, they're doing you a favor and you're doing them a favor. So just take care of yourself first. Figure out how you can do that. Um, cook for yourself. Get enough sleep. Oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. If we were, it, it, look, bottom line, if we evolved over millennia to change the foods that we eat and our lifestyle right and adapt to different environments the one thing that has never changed is sleep we've always needed sleep if we could have survived on less sleep we would have evolved a way to do that but we we haven't so um i think you know sleep is also super important you need to get those seven to eight hours i mean it varies per person but you're right i I feel a lot better when i do the seven to the eight for sure oh yeah oh yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Gotcha. Significant others. Any ways to keep the love alive yeah. and to feel connected so we don't end up sad okay. and divorced and bitter? <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing is that – no, you're right. I see this a lot in my profession is that a lot of people are um, – they're putting their profession mm-hmm. first. You know, they're getting home late at night at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and they're not seeing their spouse or they're postponing events. Like – one thing I would say is that if you you need to make appointments with yourself and make appointments with your partner. So if you're saying we're going to have dinner Thursday uh, at home, right? Like we're going to have dinner together Thursday night, then you make it an, a, a an effort to be home at that time to to <laughs> to get dinner at that time. You're going to take time for yourself to to go get a massage. You make that, and that allows your relationship to work better. So um, always put your um, yourself first, your partner first. Work is important. Work is super important. But also you need to find a partner who actually understands that. So I see this in a lot of men. A lot of my patients are CEOs and, and very, um, 
very high demand work type of people where they have to be at work often and they have to work at home. Um, and that's fine, but you need to you you need to set the expectations with your partner because if you don't set those expectations, they're going to set the expectations and they expect you to be home six o'clock every night for dinner. And if that's not realistic, then that's a miscommunication. So um, always be open, set the expectations. Um, I sound like a a a a, 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 a marriage but, counselor, but it's true that like if you maybe your whole life you were a, I get home at six, then you had a new job. New job means longer yeah. hours. All of a sudden, your kids and your wife are just like, your partner, what's going on here? You're never home right. anymore. And you're like, well, right. the things change. You got to have that conversation. And I like what you said because I don't I haven't heard this too often. Maybe maybe you can treat that dinner that's scheduled every Tuesday night as important as that client mm-hmm. that you would have never skipped out on lunch yeah. for. Just treat it that important. Yeah. Like, no, at least that once a week. Like, it's Tuesday. It's 7 o'clock. It's date night. There's nothing getting in the way. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, you know, I see a lot of parents like Wednesday night, six o'clock, little Johnny has basketball practice or a basketball game. I got to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't miss that. Yeah. Go. Cause he might hit a three pointer or he might hit a home run and you don't want to miss that. And then that creates this, this great rapport with your kids and just, yeah. That's you know, you start missing stuff. a lot of Make things. That appointment, stick it with. might cost you half your wealth. Yeah. Ba-dum-tsh. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, got man. it. All right. You sound like someone who's going to have a great answer to this. A morning or a lunch Uh-oh. routine that gets you grounded for the rest of the day. So uh, my morning routine is to always have time to either have a coffee or a tea in the morning. My whole life, actually most of my younger life in college, I was always rushing out the door. And then I realized that if I just woke up half hour earlier, didn't have to rush, had time to relax, have a tea or have a coffee, I drink coffee in the morning, and just let it settle. And then just think about the day. I usually, um, I, I write a gratitude thing every night. So every night I'll write something down that I'm grateful for and I read it mm-hmm. in the morning. And that reminds me to set the day right to, you know, uh, be ready for a good day. Because when we don't uh, remember the things that we're grateful for, we kind of just skip out and kind of, um, forget about the, the eventful things in our lives that actually yeah. matter. So I write something that I'm grateful for every night. In the morning, I'll read it, and then I'll spend time in the morning, usually an hour before I have to leave the house, uh, just just spending time with my thoughts. No TV, no TV, maybe reading the paper. I, I do use my cell phone, but it's mostly to just read stuff and, and catch up on the day. But it's just to set myself right. If I don't do that, my day is ruined. Oh, one other thing I can't forget. Always do your bed. Okay. Do your bed. Do your bed in the morning. It just, it, I don't know. I just need, it, it organizes your life. It sets up your day. It's like, okay, I did my bed. I accomplished one thing. Now I can move on to the next accomplishment. Mm. And how hard is it to do your bed? Okay, so it's not about that, that, that nice feeling like in a hotel when you have the nice no. tight sheet. It's no. just no. you finally accomplished something day one, minute one. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Because in order to be more um, productive, is you set a list of things. And when I tell people, it's like, instead of procrastinating, do something that's easy mm-hmm. first. Once you do that easy thing, the other things become easier. So what's easier than doing your yeah. bed? That's an accomplishment for some people. So I, I never leave there the house go. without doing there we my go. bed, ever. I know my mom used to always make yeah. us just, we just throw the cover over. And she's like, that's fine. It's better than what it was oh, the day yeah. before, but at least it's covered. <laughs> oh, it drives me nuts. Or people are like, well, I'm going to come home anyway and just go to bed. And I'm like, oh, you're killing me, man. You're killing me. Hilarious. Yeah. Last question. Yeah. We're talking sure. books, blogs, podcasts, and uh, phone uh-huh. apps too as yeah. well. What would you recommend okay. people to look at? Gary Vaynerchuk's podcast. Right Gary V. I love him. Mm-hmm. He, Gary V. He is the modern day Tony Robbins. He is just like. I, I connect with him because his parents are immigrants and my parents are immigrants. New York and, too. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, he's. I think he was from Jersey or New York. Uh, Jersey, maybe it was. I guess I get the two confused. He might have been across the river or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pretty close. Uh, big yeah. difference. <laughs> <laughs> but Gary V. I love Gary V. Very motivational. Very real. One thing that I like that he says is like eat. You have to eat. He doesn't say this word. He's used a little bit more vulgarity. But he's like you need to eat crap in order to be successful later on and, and patience, mm-hmm. right? 
So um, a lot of people are in their, you know, millennials and, and even their young 30s are just like, I want to be successful now. And, um, you know, I fall into that category too. Like I want to be successful now, but patience will come and you need to just work hard, set the tone now in 10 to 15 years, it'll pay off. But don't expect those things to pay off if you're not going to work hard now. So Gary V podcast. And I also see him on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. He's just he's the man. Everywhere. Love him. He's got a team yeah, of he's, people putting him everywhere. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Oh, yeah. He's awesome. Okay. Love him. Listen up. All right. Any books? Any books. Oh, I love uh, The 4-Hour Body okay. by Tim yeah. Ferriss. That's a great book. Um Mostly because it's kind of like in biohacking, and I like that whole aspect. So that's a great book that I would recommend people to read. Um, uh, it's really good because it's little things that he experimented on to, to figure out what's the best way to go about certain things, and it's very practical and it's really yeah. easy. So okay. I would and recommend I do like that. the uh, you mentioned your phone for news and things. Any fun apps that you uh, gravitate towards? Oh man, you know i I try to stay away from a lot of the. Um, different uh you know these new trendy apps and stuff i i usually just stick to like the twitter facebook instagram but one app that i do use pretty often is my fitness pal yeah. which is a calorie tracker um it's it's weird because like i'm very pers- uh, consistent with my diet i'm very meticulous with what i eat but i kind of write it down and it makes me more aware and cognizant of, of what i'm actually mm-hmm. eating um that way i'm not overeating or um you know, when I notice, I'm like, yeah, my stomach was feeling crappy today. I wonder why. Uh, I can kind of go back and say, oh, yeah, because you had, <laughs> you know, that, yeah, you had like yeah. that eggnog or something. I like that app a lot because it has, I mean, everything from Applebee's to uh, what a steam yeah. steam rice would be. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's pretty it's pretty effective and useful. So that's what I would recommend. Well, how do we people get in touch with you? What's what's the best way to reach out? So you can find me on my website, which is um doctor d o c t o r espo dot com, um, and then that's the same handle for my Instagram. It's at doctor dot espo. It's all spelled out d o c t o r dot e s p o. Same thing on Twitter, Dr. Espo, and then the same thing on Facebook, Dr. Espo. So you can uh, find me there. You can message me there, email me there. I do answer emails, so please feel free to reach out. Uh, you know, it's just I, I love this stuff, so don't hesitate to reach out. And, hey, Dr. Espo, I love what you said. I hate what you said or whatever it is. You know, I, I want to hear from you guys. Dr. Espo, you really brought it today. You explained in my head about all the things that naturopaths can do and everything else that you talked about. So I really appreciate you being on and, uh, and helping out. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, it's a lot of people don't really like what they do and I, I genuinely love what I do. So this is not even a task for me. This is like, Hey, let's, let's go to the bar and, and talk about this stuff. So this is just fun for me. Thanks for having me. And I appreciate you, you listening and also your listeners as well. Everybody. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I want to make you aware of a couple of things, a doctor's perspective.net. We got a few things to talk about. We've got some free handouts for nerve pain, numbness in the arms and legs, and also a 12 exercises. If you're experiencing back pain and want your core stronger, you experience some neck and shoulder tightness and pain, these are free to download. Okay. It's under resources. Also under the resources tab is my new book, Needless Acupuncture, Self-Treatment Guide for 40 Common Conditions. Stop the hurting with no needles or meds, your roadmap to self-treat your condition painlessly. We're talking things like anxiety, insomnia, neck pain, back pain, uh, possibly some knee issues, stomach issues, tired, arm and leg pain, even a little bit of sinuses, toothache, all those types of things. This book really is for those, they're busy, they don't have time to drive to an office, spend an hour, and go back to work. All right. So it allow, this book allows you to do it from the from your own house. It's also for the person that maybe doesn't have an acupuncturist within like a 90-minute drive just to go see one. So that's pretty inconvenient. It's also for the person who is afraid of needles. So there's alternatives to that method that we show you in the book. And lastly, for the person who's like, I really can't afford as much care as I need. So this is a way, invest in a book, and now you're able to do it at your house with pictures with words, and even videos. Things that I've learned from working in China, Western references, Eastern references, and practical experience. So check it out. I think you're going to like it. The first book, Today's Choices, Tomorrow's Health, again, is version 2.0. We got everything from what is chiropractic, what is pain, some exercises, some stretches, lots of lessons learned from my time in China, like portion control, is it okay to feel hunger, secret recipe. Heck, and I love talking about it. 
I even got a whole section on finances, like budgeting, creating a budget, how to scale back if you overspend, which is a huge problem for most people. So I'll cover that. It's got some really good reviews. So hopefully you will take a look at that. You can get it as a PDF for free or you can pay for it in different areas. Lastly, of course, we've got some chiropractic tongue-in-cheek t-shirts about being a mixer. You do rehab, you do adjustments. You think the adjustment's really a powerful thing, but you also believe that you need to do muscle work and those types of things. We got some pretty cool shirts, mixers, and we got some cool making lemonade out of lemons t-shirts under the resources tab as well. Well, as always, wherever you listen to the show, if you rank it five stars, that would be awesome. And of course, on the top right of the website, there's all the social media icons. Pick your flavor, follow me, interact, and I interact back. If you got any suggestions, email me. Have a good week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain, and this episode has come to an end. I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends, sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on adoptorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.